Welcome to ING's Think Aloud, where we try to make sense of the world in the most unbanky way we can. In today's episode... The pandemic has tightened its grip on Europe since autumn. National authorities have rightly decided to tighten restrictions. However, the economic impact of these new restrictions appears less pronounced than during the first wave of the pandemic. EU Economic Commissioner Paolo Gentiloni saying while infection rates and hospitalizations have increased in recent months, even surpassing last April's peak in some countries, the economic impact has been less severe than during the first wave. Current restrictions and containment measures are less harsh and more targeted than those imposed last spring, he said. Construction and industry remain open, as are many European schools and kindergartens. But new ING research shows there may be other forces at work as well. Voluntary social distancing has also slipped relative to the first wave, and while this may have helped to limit the economic damage, it's not without risk. I'm Rebecca Byrne, and for more on this, I'm joined by ING's senior economist, Bert Kalein. So, Bert, you've written this report along with Joanna Connings and Timur Spackman. Just give us a little bit of background and tell us exactly what you've been measuring here. That's right. What we've done is we've taken a look over the past year where we've, of course, seen large mobility declines as people did social distancing on the back of both stringent lockdown measures, but also voluntary forms of social distancing as people just shied away from going out into the streets or going to work when that was actually still allowed. What we've done is we've tried to make to make a distinction between how much of the mobility decline can actually be explained by lockdown measures and how much can be explained by the voluntary component. And what we see there is that, especially in the first wave, the voluntary component was very important. So we saw that the uh, declines in mobility were massive, which was in part because people were just staying at home out of free will because of the fact that they were mainly, of course, scared by the virus and didn't know what was happening. Over time, you see that that's actually changed a bit and that voluntary social distancing continues to play a role. But in the second wave, that's been smaller than what we saw in the first wave already. And with this, we're sort of mimicking IMF research that was focusing mainly on the first wave that got to sort of similar results as we did with a a comparable decline in immobility because of voluntary social distancing and lockdowns. Uh, What we see now is that lockdowns have become more important in determining mobility declines over the course of the year as the pandemic progressed. Okay, so there has been some uh, voluntary social distancing in the second wave, but it's just not been as pronounced as in the spring. Tell us what's going on here. Has pandemic fatigue set in? Yeah, perhaps. I mean, that's what you hear a lot as an explanation, right? Whether that's the case is not, it's not something that we've researched ourselves, but you can, you can probably guess that that's part of the story. At the same time, I think we've also known more about the virus in the second wave, of course. All these things could play a part of this, but that's, that's in part also, uh, also something that, that has to be guessed at, because it's not something that we can actually look at, our, at ourselves in this research. Okay, well, the upside to this uh, weaker social distancing has been a less severe hit to the economy in the fourth quarter. But obviously, you you mentioned that there are also risks with this. Yeah, that's right. So maybe to start out with that good news, it is indeed uh, has helped to limit the losses in the second wave that we've seen, economically speaking, because of the fact that people have continued with their daily lives more. That usually means more spending. 
we see that the economy has not been hit as severely. There are other reasons for that as well, of course. Um, I don't think that you can completely point that to increased mobility compared to the first wave, uh, but it does play a role. But of course, there are risks uh, that come with that. I mean, the fact that uh, mobility has remained higher means that uh, human contact has also been higher than what we saw during the first wave, and therefore, it can also become more difficult to stamp out a virus that you're trying to control by limiting mobility. So, of course, we see that the lingering of cases over the course of the second wave is in part related to the fact that mobility has not come down as much. We only have partial data for January, but what does that show? Has the trend continued into 2021? Somewhat. I mean, we do see that voluntary social distancing has been increasing again. But at the same time, if you compare it to the stage of the virus, if you will, if you look at the amount of cases, the amount of hospitalizations and deaths that the virus has been resulting in, then you see that that's at this point higher than it was in April. So, of course, there is more to worry about as well. Um, So we're seeing that that behavior is starting to come back where people are staying at home more uh, beyond what lockdown measures can explain. But it's still somewhat smaller than what we saw in the first wave still. That means that we can also conclude that uh, the relationship between voluntary social distancing and the virus is, is not stable over time. And that means that this can surprise policymakers and also have surprising impacts on the economy over the course of the pandemic. Well, let's talk about the remainder of the pandemic. We now have new strains of the virus and the vaccine rollout has been uh, quite a bit slower in Europe than it has in the UK and US. So could we see people hunkering down again like they did in the first wave? Well, it could happen. I mean, we see that over time, the voluntary response has become smaller, but also that it's not stable. And that means that with new insights that we're going to get into the virus, perhaps it could mean that voluntary social distancing could go up. Concerns about uh, mutations of the virus are becoming larger with, for example, the South African strain not being as receptive to some of the vaccines that, um, that have been put forward. These are concerns that could lead to a different response. And Uh, That's something that's quite uncertain over time. So we definitely can't rule out that over time, um, that voluntary restriction of mobility could become bigger again, which in turn would have more of a negative impact on the economy as well. In your piece, you say that the reopening of the economy will be a tightrope exercise for policymakers. What did you mean by that? Well, then it's good to look at what happened over the summer, uh, which is, of course, we saw the first wave end and new cases came down quite rapidly. And on the back of that, we saw that the response in terms of voluntary mobility restraint was very strong. So we saw that that was very limited over the summer months, if not completely gone, and that the declines that we still see in mobility compared to the pre-virus period um, were mostly explained by, um, by lockdown measures. So that means that uh, if we get into euphoric state when the next wave ends, that voluntary social distancing could come down more quickly than, than you would perhaps expect from the measures that could still be in place. So therefore, that's a, that's a tricky situation for policymakers, where on the one hand, you want to reopen your economy when a wave ends, but that the, on the other hand, you also don't want to give room for the breeding ground for a third wave to occur. So that means that it is indeed a tricky situation, what to reopen at what stage, and at what pace. Right. What does all this mean for the Eurozone economy this year. Last week, the EU Commission cut its forecasts for 2021, but it is more optimistic about future years. What are you looking for? Well, I mean, this is all still very dependent on the pandemic, right? I mean, we saw, of course, that 2020 was um, a year in which the global economy was completely dominated by the developments of the coronavirus. And 2021 is no different in that sense. Um, 
we're looking at a an extension of lockdowns at the start of the year. Uh, we're already well into February right now, and we see that lockdown measures in some shape or form have been extended into March in a lot of European countries already. Um, that's a rough start to the year for the economy, but we're looking very much to reopening on the back of, of vaccinations on a more uh, sustained level. Um, and that's something that we're expecting to happen over the course of the year with the economy really picking up and picking up steam in the second half of the year when we expect that uh, the economy can reopen at, on a more structural level with vaccines starting to spread throughout the, uh, uh, the economy. So a lot of that is dependent on how quick vaccination can happen and, of course, on how the virus will develop uh, with, of course, mutations being a downside risk to that outlook. Okay, Bert Klein, ING's Senior Economist of the Eurozone, thank you very much. Thank you, Rebecca. This podcast has been prepared by ING solely for information purposes, irrespective of a particular user's means, financial situation, or investment objective. The information does not constitute investment recommendation nor is it investment, legal or tax advice or an offer or solicitation to purchase or sell any financial instrument. Read more at think.ing.com slash content dash disclaimer.